last week when I was preaching, I was preaching a, a prophetic uh, message. And this week, um, it's it's a similar type of prophetic message. And so I, I don't want, I, I really am asking the Lord to release a spirit of wisdom and revelation over you so that your hearts will receive what it is that the Lord is saying. Amen. Um, so last week I began preaching a, uh, the first of a series uh, called The Lifestyle of Heaven. And um, it was a prophetic declaration what I feel like the Lord is saying uh, uh, to, to us and to, um, to Dallas and to the nation. But it really does apply to every nation. And, um, and the reason that I, I, I really felt like it was important to give it First of all, the Holy Spirit told me to do it. But second of all, I've been getting a lot of phone calls over the past year from people that um, are really in a lot of fear. And there's a, all I have to say to Christians is stay off YouTube because if you start watching some of the, yeah, except our channel, which is awesome. Note, look at camera when you say that. Um. Anyway, so yeah, except for our channel, but but really, uh, there's so much out there that's negative, and there's so many doomsayers and and doomsdayers, and there, and so you you listen not only to some of the prophetic voices that are gloom and doom, but then you are listening to and you're looking at the economies of the world and all of this, and of course, you know, you you don't want to get out of bed in the morning. You know, and you've you've dug yourself a hole that you're going to go and climb into. I remember the, uh, you know, we were thinking, okay, well, if something bad happens, this is what we're going to do. And we came up with this plan, and we thought, I thought, okay, well, we're going to store up all this whatever, and then then we're going to go out to the ranch, and then we're going to go we're going to go live out there, and you know, and so I I was coming up with all of these plans, you know, in my mind, and um. And the Holy Spirit said, where do you think you're going? I made you for this hour. I created you for this hour. This is the greater works hour. This is the thing that you've been asking for. And you're not going to go hide in some shed in the country. You know, like, oh, no. (laughs) But, you know, we're supposed to be the ones that are like, that we're going to be bringing the solutions and the food and the water and the multiplications and all of these good things. So this really is the time to shine. Amen. So no more YouTube. Except our channel. Um, so the Lord told me when I was asking him, I said, you know, all of this is going on. So can you tell me um, what you, what you have to say about everything, where, what, what do you want, how, what's the prophetic word for this hour? And he said, I want you to prophesy seven years of abundance. And he said, I'm not talking about just abundance. I'm talking about seven years of, of an outpouring of wealth that is going to be more than the vats and the storehouses can hold. And I was like, Okay, well, that's kind of opposite <laughs> of what I'm seeing in the natural. And the Lord told me, he said, do not look at the earth, but look at me. Keep your eyes set on me because I have something to say. And so, uh, and so he began to talk to me, uh, really, and, and, and that's, this whole message was birthed out of that reality because he began to give me scriptures, which I'm going to get to in a moment, um, but he, but training us to train the people how to have a lifestyle of heaven where we can prosper 
in the days of evil, where God's people can actually um, carry the glory and release the gold. Because those are the two things that he said are coming in this hour, are the glory and the gold. Isn't that good news? Um, and, and, and in this series, one of the things that I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm going to teach on all of the transitions that have, are in Scripture. And you're going to see that God actually showed us everything that he's going to do in this last transition, which is transitioning us out of this experience and into the millennial reign. And so the transition, while it's going to look shaky, those that are, have been refined by gold, uh, refined in the fire, and have turned into pure gold are not going to be shaken. And the sons do not get shaken during the shaking right? So I wanted to give you a couple of testimonies of some things that will hopefully encourage you about how to not look at what the earth is saying and doing, and but only look at heaven. Uh, a couple of years back, do y'all remember the Dallas Super Bowl? Okay, uh, a couple of years back, uh, or I guess it was several years back, it was 2010, I think, um, uh, the Dallas Super Bowl was coming, and everybody was so excited. And uh, and we had heard through several news reports that that when a major sporting event like the Super Bowl comes to town, there's a there is a serious spike in the sex slave trade. And so what happens is that all around the country and internationally, what they do is these women that have been taken captive and they are slaves in prostitution that that they will have um, upwards of fifty. Um, um, tricks a day. And so they, they, they're literally held captive. And so what they do is they bring them in to the city uh, where the sporting event is, and they service all of the people that have come in, all the men that have come in for the sporting event. And, um, and it was written up, and, and the, um, uh, at the time, Greg Abbott, who is now our governor, was uh, lieutenant governor, and, and he was really going after this as far as crime and everything. And so in my heart, um, oh, and one more statistic, whenever the prostitution, um, whenever the, the women who were in slavery, whenever they take them away, the, the statistic is, is that the prostitution in the city stays at the same height. And so the same level, it does something to the city where the city has opened itself up to the sin and the sin never leaves. And I don't, I don't understand that, but, but anyway, so that's been the historical um, statistics. So, so something in me, just like a righteous indignation leapt up in my spirit and I said, no, this is not going to happen and this is not going to happen on my watch and this is not going to happen in my city. This is my city. This is the city of the Lord and we're going to have to do something about this. I don't know what we're going to do. And so I'm talking to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, what are you going to do about this? Because this is coming in and then we can't have this in our city. And I heard the Lord say to me, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, well, I don't know. What am I going to do about it? And so he gave us, uh, he gave us a, a template, and he said, I want you to call the city to fast and pray for 21 days and, um, and, and uh, watch me move. And I said, okay, that's what we're going to do. So we, we, we connected with a bunch of churches in the area, and we, did, um, we fasted for 21 days, and we had this prayer chain that was going on where all of these churches were coming in here, and they were praying about this, you know, and we were asking God for his mercy and just releasing the justice of the Lord. And so the last weekend before the week of the Super Bowl, um, 
it was a 24-7, so all of, we had every hour was filled in this room with worship and just contending with God and just asking to release this in the earth, um, his, his glory, and to stop this from coming into our city. And so, lo and behold, um, Sunday night, it started to, it started to rain, and it started to freeze. And so we had this freezing rain that came down. And, and then the next day, we had freezing rain coming down. And then the next day, we had freezing rain coming down. So the streets were covered with ice. The next two days, we had snow. We had five inches of snow on the ground, which, you know, in Dallas, that's kind of a big deal. And so on top of the, the streets of freezing rain, we had uh, ice, um, and we, uh, we had snow on top of it. And so what happened is during that entire week leading up to the Super Bowl, everything in the city got shut down. Everything. All of the major highways leading into Dallas are shut down. The airport is shut down. The schools, the businesses, nobody can go anywhere because of how dangerous these streets are. And I mean, even the highways and, and the area around us, like the states around us, were all shut down. And so one of our intercessors had a dream. And in the dream, one of the girls who was held captive in, in slavery, she was just weeping and crying over the condition of her life. And, and as she was crying, um, her tear fell into the hand of Jesus. And when her tear hit his hand, it turned into a block of ice. And she woke up and she said, I don't understand what this is. And he said, this is my just ice. This is my justice. And I have rendered justice for Dallas and on behalf of Dallas. And so the statistics were there was not one case of prostitution in this city. And for the first time in the history of any major sporting event, there was not only not a spike, but there was no continuing level of, of prostitution in the city. So praise the Lord. So, so, so what we did there is we, we, we contended with heaven and we said, God, what are you going to do about this? Because in the natural, we're looking at the statistics and we're looking what everybody is saying, but in the spirit, God has a solution and he had an answer. And he said, if you, uh, uh, if you'll come and get the good news of what's going on in heaven, cause there's no prostitution in heaven, there's only good news. And you bring that good news down into the earth. And then the second testimony that I wanted to share with you is very personal because we had um, we had one of our uh, uh, worship leaders whose husband uh, was in a parking lot. This is actually again a Dallas Cowboys situation. Don't know what's going on there, but anyway, um, he fell asleep in his truck in uh, late August, early September, when it was still really hot outside in the Dallas Cowboy parking lot during a game, and um, and he wasn't feeling well, so he went back to his. And he was going to take a nap, but but there was no AC on, and so his body temperature went up over 120 degrees. And when that happens, um, for those of you who are in the medical field, what happens is that your your uh, brain, in order to protect itself, separates the brain stem separates from the rest of the body. And so uh, by the time they got him to the hospital, he was already coding and. Um, and so it was just a terrible situation. And for uh, John and I were out of town at the time, and, and I didn't realize how bad it was until I got back into town. 
And um, that weekend, he had coded four times. And, and they told her, they said, listen, he is in a vegetative state. There is nothing left of his mind. His mind is fried. His body is shutting down because there's nothing there. There's, this is, there is no hope for you. There is no hope. This is scientifically, medically, you need to start making arrangements. And, um, and so I heard this, and I'm washing the dishes, and I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, this cannot stand. He has a daughter. I know this family. They're part of our community. She's four years old. She cannot be an orphan. And I just began, this righteous indignation began to rise up in me, and I just said, this is not okay. And, I, and I'm like, God, and, 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 and I, what are you going to do about this? And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. What? What? Are, what? And so he said, I want you to go to the hospital where he's in ICU and he's hooked up to all of these wires and there's all of these people and family members and everything. And he said, I want you to lay hands on him and I want you to tell everybody that in three days he's going to rise, that I'm going to raise him up. And, and you lay hands on him and you tell him in three days you're going to get up out of this bed. And so I said, okay, all right, <sighs> okay. You know what I mean? Here's the weeping wife and the and the the family and I'm like oh man faith come on don't fail me now you know because I mean you're really having to not just tell the family but you're having to tell the city because he said I want you to call the city to fast and pray for three days and um and I want his community to fast and pray and so he was church of Christ well they had never fasted and they were all like you want us to do what And so we did this 24-7, around-the-clock, fasting and prayer. And the whole community joined in. Everybody signed up. It was amazing how many people came in and said, we've never done this before, but we're going to do this for Chep. So uh, lo and behold, day three comes around, and this man sits up in his bed and says, I'm hungry. Now, I will tell you, he was brain dead. He was brain dead. There was nothing there. He was coding. His body was shutting down. His organs were shutting down. And he he had zero trauma to his body. He was 100% healed. He didn't even have a speech impediment. He was able to walk out of that hospital. Praise the Lord. And he came back in here, and he said, he said, you know, I feel like the man that was lowered down to Jesus through the roof of, of the building. He goes, you guys, when I didn't have ability to save myself, the whole community came around me, and Jesus saved me through your prayers. And, um, and today, he and his wife are missionaries in um, Caracas, and they're seeing amazing healings and supernatural stuff. So in both of these cases, I'm telling you, because here's what happened. The doctors in the report said one thing. Earth had a report in both of these cases. But heaven has a different report. And, and so I want what I'm trying to do through this, is, is, through this teaching is to show you that there are, there are two operating systems that are at work. Okay, there's the operating system that is in the earth, and there is a pattern of earthly living. 
And Jesus, who came and he was born of heaven, right? The word said that he was born from heaven. He came to live on the earth to show us the kingdom of heaven and to show us the way to the Father, right? So he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to show you this new way to live because you're going to get a new operating system and the way that you function and the pattern of your life is about to change and you're no longer going to be earthly, but you're going to be heavenly. Okay? Come on. So Jesus came to reveal the Father. He he taught us how to live in relationship with the Father and how to reveal the Father to others. All right, so I'm going to, a couple of terms that I'm going to share with you today is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven, when I talk about the kingdom of heaven, I'm not talking about eternal life. However, it includes eternal life. But when, he, when Jesus was, and, and John the Baptist, when they were talking about the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was saying the kingdom of heaven is actually now. And that while you are on the earth, you actually can access a realm or a, a place that is in Christ that you carry with you everywhere you go. And so you have access to this other place that is within you, and you carry it everywhere you go. And it's kind of like saying, um, it's an example is like saying that, you know, because everybody believes the kingdom of heaven is like heaven. Like when I die, I'm going to go to the kingdom of heaven. It's like, no, 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 no. That's like saying that, that, that a touchdown is the football game right? But there's a lot more to it. Did you see that? I'm talking about football this whole time, and I don't know anything about football. I have never even been to a Dallas Cowboy game. I've never seen a Dallas Cowboy game. No, I didn't really watch, did I? I mean, let's just confess. I sat next to a Dallas Cowboy one time, and a lot of his team members on a plane and they thought it was hilarious that I didn't know who he was because I guess he was kind of famous. But anyway. Um, okay, moving on. So the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven includes eternal life, but it opens the door to heaven so you can access heaven for two things. Say two things. Heaven has within it your identity and your destiny. Okay? If you try to get these two things from the earth, I have to warn you that you're going to be in a whole lot of trouble and it's not going to end well for you. Right? It's about who you are and it's about what you do. Okay, the second term that I'm going to be using is manna, and this is both spiritual and natural provision. So, like I said, there's a huge transition happening. There's a huge shift. I don't know about y'all. I don't know about y'all, but I have, there's so much angelic activity going on. I'm like, whoo, this is amazing. There is so much more of heaven that is, that is becoming available for those who are willing to go and find it that, that I've never seen so much. I mean, uh, granted, I've only been saved for about 15 years, but still, even in those 15 years, and I mean, I got saved in a supernatural way, but the things that I'm experiencing now, I'm like, this is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. It feels rich, and it feels abundant, and it feels like there's a forward momentum to it, and I can tell you, this is not ending. This is not ending. It's going to keep coming and coming and coming. So you need to start expecting these supernatural experiences that go beyond the things that make you comfortable. 
Okay, so we've been asking and believing for the things that have never been seen before. And guess what happens? When the things that have never been seen before show up, we can't go, oh, no, that's not God. Right? I mean, think about how it was when Jesus was walking on the water. Right? I mean, they've never seen that before. That wasn't in the Torah. That was the splitting of the sea. Now, if Jesus had come and, like, parted the Red Sea, they would have gone, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not what he did. He walked on water. So think about that in terms of they had no grid for the things that he was doing. And so all of this stuff is new and freakish. He walked through the wall, people. Like, I would have been going, let me put my hand in your side. I would have been screaming, like, you just walked through the wall. How did you do that? I'd be going... You know, teach us to pray. I've been going, show me how you did that. But here's what I love. The response of Peter when Jesus was walking on the water is the same response that we're supposed to have. Okay. He was kind of freaked out by it because he was like, is that a ghost? What's going on? That's kind of weird. What's happening? I don't understand that. His mind's trying to get around it. It's Jesus. Okay. And he said, Jesus, beckon me to come. I want to do that. Whoa, that is so cool. I've never seen it before, but I want to do it. I'm desperate for these kind of things. So, so Jesus says, what? Come. And he walks out on the water, right? Does he walk on the water? No, he walks on the word. He walked on the word. Jesus said, come. I will guarantee you, if Jesus does not command you to come, you are going to sink to the bottom of that lake. Because I know people in this room that have tried it. Yes, you know who you are. So here's what I'm contending for. I am contending for the greater, the greater, the greater, the greater, the greater, the greater. I'm like, transport me, God. I don't know. I want to be anywhere. I want to be transported right up here while I'm talking to you. Poof, I disappear. The mic falls to the ground. Wouldn't that be cool? What would you do? You're like looking for the portal or you're like running out of the building. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, so good news. The money is coming. Good news. What has been laid up and uh, that, that had been in the hands of the wicked is about to be shaken into the purses of the righteous. And let me tell you what, I'm not a prosperity preacher, and I have never preached prosperity. I am not. What's that guy's name? And I forgot. (laughs) Yeah, good thing the brain doesn't work like that. Anyway, all right, so to the earth, the Lord has shown me that uh, he said, listen, the shaking is coming. It just is. But the good news is that the people of God are going to be prospering. So he gave me three scriptures in support of this. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 60. Um, This was actually the scripture for this year. So fun. Isaiah 60. I'm going to start with one, and I'm going to read to verse 7. So hang on to your hats, and I'll try to be a good reader for you, okay? Follow along. In your Bibles, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord, say, but the Lord. Lord. 
will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together. They come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. The multitude of camels Okay, I don't know about that. I don't want any stinking camels. But they shall bring you gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. All right, that's good news. Okay, I'm going to go down a little where it says, They shall ascend with acceptance on my altar, and I will glorify the house of my glory. Go down to verse 11. Therefore, your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. Woo! That's good news. All right. The other scripture that he gave me, turn in your Bibles to Haggai. Okay, that's back towards the New Testament. It's a couple of books away from Matthew. Um, okay. So uh, I'm going to be talking to you about a couple of principles in Haggai. So, so here's what's going on in Haggai. They're coming out of Babylonian captivity, right? Babylonian captivity. They're coming out of slavery, okay? All of these transitions that happen in the Bible have that in common. He's bringing his people out of slavery and into freedom. He's bringing his people out of bondage and into worship. Okay, so that's the objective. And so they all have that same thing in common. Um, uh, Let's start in Haggai 1, verse 2. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. And so the people were saying, certain things about about what should be done in the earth. And they were saying, you know, the time's not really now for us to be building the temple. We need to be building our own houses. We need to be taking care of ourselves, right? And um, in verse 5, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, consider your ways. Did you like that? That was so Pentecostal, wasn't it? All right, you have sown much and you bring in little. He says, you eat, you drink, you clothe yourself, and those who earn wages, earn wages to put in a bag with holes. And then he says it again, consider your ways. Say it again. So what he's saying there is consider the pattern and the manner in which you are living. Consider the pattern and the manner in which you are have our thinking. And he said that your ways are actually wrong because in Isaiah 55, it says, my ways are higher than your ways. There is a higher operating system that is functioning and you're functioning down here in the earth's operating system. You have not come up. And so he said, you are actually functioning in your own mind and your own thinking. And he said, therefore, the heavens above you in verse 10 withheld its due and the earth withholds its fruit for I called a for a drought on the land so the Lord is like I'm just I'm tying your hands and I am I am actually making the labor of your hands not produce the fullness that it can and so he said but 
Now, here's what I want you to do. So what does he do? He introduces the prophetic word into it. And he said, now the time has come for you to begin to work my way. So I'm going to show you how it's done. And this is how, what he says in, in um, chapter 2, verse 5. According to the word that I covenanted with you, when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. And so what he did is he, he drew a parallel with the same way that he, so he said, the same way that I was with Egypt, so I'm going to be with you. Isn't that amazing? And so he was saying that that, that same pattern where I poured out, I set my people free, I poured out the glory, and I poured out the gold. There was huge amounts of supernatural events that were happening at that time, and all of the gold from the, uh, from the um, Egyptians were poured out into the purses of the Jews, right? And so he said, in that same way, I'm going to be with you. And then he goes in and he says in verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and dry land. What happens during a transition? Shaking. The earth gets shaken, but the people of God remain steady in order to receive what God has for them so that the harvest can come in, so that we can pay for the harvest, so that the glory will walk with the, a greater level of glory. Amen? All right, so then he goes on and he, he says this. All right, he's going to shake everything, and he's saying, I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. And so he's talking about the glory, but he's talking about that a harvest that's coming. So all nations will come to, to the desire of all nations, which is Jesus. And then he goes on to say, it's interesting, he goes, now the silver and the gold are mine. And the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give you peace or I will give you rest. And so he's talking about a time and a season during this event that the people of God will finally enter into the rest of the Lord. And so I want you to turn in and I want you to keep that thought of entering into the rest, okay? Because I want you to turn now to... Um, Exodus 16, verse 4. Are y'all having fun? Are y'all good? Are you still with me? Is your stomach growling? It's 12 o'clock. Okay, I'm going fast. Exodus 16, verse 4. Okay, this is what the Lord showed me about this, about this timeline that we're in. Um, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not or walk in my ways or not, okay? Will you follow the instruction of the Lord? And on the sixth day, they shall gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. And so uh, what the Lord showed me, and, and I, I think a lot of us can agree on this, but this is what I believe, that there is a seven year uh, reality, um, a seven-day reality 
which is one day is as a thousand years, and it's really the human experience uh, on Earth is is that 7,000-year reality. And so when there's a crossing over from one day to another day, you have to look at what he's saying on that sixth day. And what he says is on the sixth day, he's actually right before the transition into the seventh day, which is the day of rest. He said, I'm actually going to pour out a double portion on that last generation and as so that they can enter the days of rest. And this is what he showed me. He said, because in the time of trouble, there will be no working. You will not be able to work. You will not be able to buy. You will not be able to sell. You will not be able to work. And so he said that I'm pouring out my abundance and I'm giving you a double portion of not just spiritual manna, and the glory, but I'm also going to give you natural manna so that you can store up for the time of trouble and feed many and lead many and, 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 and bring in the harvest. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and Jesus even talked about this in John 9. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. So, My goal in this series is to awaken and prepare you to gather according to the pattern of the kingdom of heaven so that you can possess the coming wealth and the coming harvest. Um, You know, Vince, he's so prophetic. Um, He actually preached part of my message um, last Thursday, praise the Lord. So I'll just kind of glean off of some of what he said and and reshare it with a little... Uh, twist and you know a little style and in heels and uh yeah <laughs> you know all right if you function in the law of the land then you're subject to the law of the land but if you function in the pattern of the kingdom of heaven then you're li- living for and led by the spirit of god and you're subject to the Spirit of God. And so Vince preached on Thursday, um, uh, turning your Bibles to Galatians 5. He was preaching about the fruit of the Spirit. And so he was given the beautiful list of the fruit of the Spirit. And um, so why don't you go ahead and turn there, Galatians 5. Isn't it great how much we're using the Bible today? I mean, we've been all over. I mean, come on. Who's having fun? Who brought their Bible? (laughs) Everybody's like, I have my bone. All right, so it lists the fruit of the Spirit, and it said, against such there is no law, right? Um, So there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Therefore, we can extrapolate that the pattern of living in the kingdom, there's no, and, and with that pattern, there's actually no law that applies to that pattern, Right? But we can also extrapolate that the pattern of living in the earth, there actually is the law, and the law leads to death. So if you're drawing from and being led by what you see and hear, mean, and including your identity, so if you're drawing your identity from the things of the earth, you're actually going to be functioning in uh, the work of the flesh. Because, because when you're drawing and feeding from the earth, it produces the work of the flesh. You're processing in the pattern of your natural mind. Then you'll actually have the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. So you're going to be functioning in things like 
fear, lust, shame, unbelief, and depression. And so you can kind of tell what's going on because you can look at the you can look at what what you're experiencing. So if you're experiencing fruit, you're uh, uh, the if you're experiencing the works of the flesh, then you know that you're actually not being led by the spirit, and you're actually being led by your mind. And it's very interesting to me these two words that Paul uses because he uses two words to differentiate what he means. One is works and the other is fruit. So when he talks about the flesh, he's talking about works. He said these are works of the flesh. It's labor. When you're laboring in the flesh, here's what you're going to produce, and it's not good. But when you are being led by the Spirit, you're actually going to produce fruit. So think about how hard one is because when you're, when you're functioning in the flesh, you're actually still under the curse. But when you're being led by the Spirit, you're in freedom and worship because everything is flowing because it doesn't take any effort for a tree to produce fruit. It's just like, poof, oh, I just dropped an apple. So easy. So one produces life and the other produces death. You know, the primary desire of every human is to get to their destiny. Can't you agree with that? Doesn't that pretty much consume our minds? You know, I want to get to my destiny. I want to plan and plan and plan so that I can achieve the purpose that God has for me in this world. And, and even whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, it's the same for unbelievers. They still feel the same way, except they go about it through manipulation and control, and they use the works of the flesh to try to get to where they're going. And we're supposed to be led by the Spirit and so, um, and to get to where we're going. You know, one of the things that um, you have to have before you can get to where you're going is you have to ha- know who you are. And that's one of the reasons why EJS is so important and we see such fruit coming out of EJS. Because what we do is we connect them to the head, which is Christ Jesus, and they they find out for the first time who they are. And it's like, oh, that's who God says that I am. You cannot know who you are in any other way other than the one that created you to tell you. Once God speaks to you, his eyes gazing at you, the eyes that are like a flame of fire, and you finally know who you are, beloved, you will sit down on the inside and you will finally be satisfied and not strive to be somebody that you're not. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm almost done. Y'all still good? All right, so Adam and Eve were 100% earth and 100% spirit. Can we agree with that? Just like Jesus, who is called the second Adam. They lived according to the spirit, but this is what happened during the fall. When they began to take their identity from that stinking serpent, the devil, the devil began to say, wait, this is who you were meant to be. This is who you are. So the, so the serpent began to speak identity to them. And then he also began to talk to them about their destiny. And what they did is they left the, the opinion of heaven and went to the opinion of earth. And because of that, the curse came and they died. And when the curse came, it came in three different ways. 
it was all, the curse was on the relationship between God and man. The curse was on the relationship between Adam and Eve. And the curse was on the labor of Adam's hands. And so all of the sudden, there was conflict between man and woman, and man ruled over woman. There was no communication and connection with God anymore, and then so they didn't know how to find their identity. Because the minute that they left heaven's idea of who they are and heaven's voice of who they are, what happened? All of a sudden, they get into the works, just like in Galatians. They get into the works of the flesh, and they start producing shame and fear and begin hiding from God, right? Come on, that's good, Tracy. Yeah. Woo! That's right. Come on. See, your destiny is impossible for you to achieve. It's impossible. Only one place. If if your destiny was possible for you to achieve, then it wouldn't be God. It wouldn't be, you would not be laboring with God because the word very clearly says that he does not um, call the equipped, but he equips the called. Therefore, once you're called, you are not equipped until God says, all right, I've called you. Now I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you what you need, all of the grace that you need to labor, all of the, you know, I love what he said about Daniel, that Daniel um, was given a spirit of wisdom and uh, for um, um, dreams and visions, but also for literature. And so there was something, he was given a particular grace to fulfill the call that was on his life, but there was no way he could have done what he did without God. And so heaven had to come and give him those things. So that's the reason why heaven is so important. That's why living in that operating system is so key to us, and that's the only place that we can get life. And that's why here, when the Lord told us, he said, I want you to teach them to pray. I thought, well, you know, that's really great, but uh, can we get like a broader, you know, mission statement like uh i don't know take the harvest for the kingdom or something cool you know but he said no i want you to teach them to to come to me i want you to show them the way because jesus came not to show us how to work but jesus came to show us how to pray he said watch me if you've seen me you've seen the father i'm going to demonstrate dad to you i'm going to show him to you and i'm going to show you how to get to him Amen? All right, let's stand. Father, I ask you, God, tonight, this morning, whenever. It looks like night. Where's the sun? Bring the sun. I just, this morning, I just really want to pray. I want to pray that we can enter into the time of rest and, and we'll give up. our right to live and to think according to our own um, desires and our own thoughts and our own, um, but we would, we would spend time and, and go to God to see what he thinks and what he desires. Because the word said that his plans are higher than ours. They're greater than ours. They're more abundant than ours. We can't even think or imagine all that God has for us. And if that's true, 
Why would we even try to, to, to do the 10% when we can have 110%? Because it really is going to be that good. And I don't know about you, but I want to come to the table. I want to come. There's a banqueting table that has been set for us. He said it, and he said, listen, I am the manna that has come from heaven. I am the bread of life. Come to me so that you can have life. There's no other way. As we are rolling into these days, there's no other hope for us than God. Having his thoughts and his opinions and his perceptions, having his solutions and his answers and his abundance. And so I just, I just, I just really encourage you. Uh, would you, uh, Mason, put on some worship music. I just really encourage you to, to make yourself available these days for the more. Make yourself available for this hidden manna that you would go in and you would find it. Come to the table. He's saying, come, I've set the table. Do not be like the parable of all of the people that would not come to the table because they were so busy with the cares of life. They were so busy building their own kingdom that they wouldn't come to my table and get all of the resources of heaven that I have in store for you. I have great and mighty things in store for my people in this hour. And he's saying, come to me, come to me so that you can have life and life abundant come to me so that you can flow and grow in the glory of God come to me so that you can eat of the fatness of my house so father we do we just confess this morning God I just repent in all of the places where I have been living in the pattern of the world and the pattern of the earth if I just want you to come forward if you have been if you have been functioning in a way that is not being led by the Spirit, if you have been led by by the flesh, I just want you to come this morning. Prayer team, come on up. And we want to pray for you and lead you uh, and, and pray for you and just get you set in place so that you can receive, receive, receive this morning. Don't leave here. If you've really been struggling in your mind, if you've really been struggling with, with relationships, with your marriage, with, with finances, come forward this morning because God is saying, I have a better way for you. God, we just declare that we want to enter into your rest. We want to enter into your rest this morning, God. Would you bless us in Jesus' name? Amen.